Une caresse pour décoller Si tu veux te réchauffer Faut savoir bien piguiner C'est bon pour le moral 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 Good morning on Friday the 19th of February 2021 It's 8 a.m. in the Gambia and after a national holiday celebrating our country's 56th independence anniversary Welcome back to work and coffee time with Peter Gomez. This is Aji Jogopkan coming to you live on West Coast Radio 92.1 courtesy of OIC Gambia and Bangalore Cypriot Company Limited. The Gambia may be the smallest country in Africa but it will host the second largest gathering of world leaders in 2022 to successfully host the OIC summit. The government of the Gambia set up OIC Gambia to mobilize resources for the implementation of key development and infrastructure projects on a scale never seen before. 20 new roads will be constructed across the country and the Bertel Harding Highway will be expanded into a dual carriage highway of two lanes on each side from the airport to Sting Corner. All people in the Gambia deserve clean water and a constant flow of electricity. Therefore, an entirely new water system will be constructed, including new transmission and distribution networks to meet the increasing demand. In order to provide a more reliable supply of electricity, the OIC Gambia project will replace and double the capacity of the Nawak transformers and overhead electric cables. We will equip the police with modern apparatus and technical training in an effort to keep the streets of the Gambia safe. OIC Gambia building today for a better tomorrow Banjul Shipyard Company Limited a subsidiary of the Gambia Ports Authority delivering excellent services to marine and industrial servicing our services also include welding and carpentry our welding works includes the fabrication of tanks for petrol stations marine buoys roof trusses buckler proofs steel gates and many more. A carpentry workshop provides office furniture such as filing cabinets of all sizes, junior executive desks, household furniture, bedroom sets, kitchen sets, roofing works, school furniture and many more. With Banjul Shipyard Company Limited, we get it done for you, so worry no more. For more information call 997 7271 or 7906256 and coming up over the next 40 minutes or so the future is for you to shape and now is the time to think about how you want to live in it president baro tells gambian youths as he exhorts them to focus on their education and to be role models for future generations The UDP slates the Baro government's COVID-19 response before announcing the postponement of a major fundraising effort it had been due to embark upon next week. The Minister of Health says measures are being taken to prevent Ebola from entering the Gambia as cases rise in Guinea. And as the devastating economic effects of COVID-19 restrictions persist, the Tourism and Culture Minister speaks out against any new lockdown. Also on the program, the British Prime Minister to urge the world's most powerful nations to move on a global vaccine rollout and all of Friday's newspaper headlines. The Echoes Brown Card scheme is an extension of domestic motor third-party liability insurance covers within the Echoes sub-region. 
The scheme was established by the Protocol on Free Movement of Goods and Persons across ECOWAS national boundaries to facilitate economic integration. Each ECOWAS member state therefore has a national office coordinating its activities. So in the event of an accident with another ECOWAS motorist, immediately contact the National Bureau of the country where the accident occurs. You are guaranteed immediate assistance and payment of any civil liability claim arising from the accident. The contact details of all national bureaus are at the back of the ECOWAS Bound Card Certificate. For more information, please contact National Bureau ECOWAS Bound Card Insurance Scheme at 10 C Nelson Mandela Street, Banjul, or telephone 4201637-707-1004 or email info at ECOWASBoundCard.gm or samsehu at msn.com. We open this newspaper review with The Voice, whose front page is dominated by the Gambia's 56th independence anniversary, celebrated across the country on Thursday. The Voice has a quote from virtually every Gambian of substance. Here's a small selection. We will remain focused, is President Barrow speaking. Our independence has no denotation or referent, quotes the Gambia Action Party leader, Musa Bachili. Poverty is extreme in the country, is ascribed to Gambia for all leader, B.B. Dabo. Long-time opposition leader, Usainu Dabo, is said to stand against tribalism. And the Amir of the Ahmadiyas is quoted saying, love for one's nation is part of faith. Foraya gives less focus on statements related to Independence Day. The paper's main headline declares, MDI head highlights challenges his institution is grappling with in housing UTG for 10 years. The paper then goes on to talk about a court ordering Gatch to pay over half a million dollars to a man and a bomber task force congratulating former Justice Minister Abu Bakar Batambedu on his nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize before turning to Independence Day and President Barrow hinting, as Foraya puts it, at the Gambia's progress depending on unity. The CA leader is also on Foraya's front page, lamenting, according to the paper, the lack of development after 56 years of independence. Barrow vows to defend sovereignty as Gambia clocks 56 screams the point, whose other headlines are UDP leader reminds Gambians of national pledge, Burma Task Force congratulates Nobel Peace nominee Tambedu, and Army shares militating factors with National Assembly members. For the Standards front page, former Attorney General Tambedu's nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize takes pride of place. But predictably, the paper is also big on Independence Day, coverage with President Barrow, UDP's Dabo and Mama Kande of the Gambia Democratic Congress all appearing on the front page. President Barrow saying, let's work together in the national interest, Dabo promising zero tolerance for tribalism and religious discrimination, and Kande vowing to go ahead with a GDC Congress despite government plans to ban large gatherings. In one other headline, the Standard reports that the Kunta Kinte ferry strayed again under foggy weather. And that was your first look at Friday's newspaper front pages. Our thanks to Foraya, The Voice, The Point, and The Standard. For over 50 years, the Gambia Chamber of Commerce and Industry has been the voice of business in the Gambia. 
Always happy to be at the heart of trade facilitation for Gambian entrepreneurs. On January 1, 2021, trading under the Africa Continental Free Trade Area formally began. The AFCFTA lowers trade barriers and promotes regional economic integration. The GCCI is pleased to inform local businesses, entrepreneurs and our 2.2 million population that they can all benefit from the AFCFTA's trade facilitation. As the approved National Competent Authority for the issuance and management of the AFCFTA Rules of Origin Certificate, the GCCI will give free guidance to every Gambian business, entrepreneur and individual who needs it. For more information and regular updates on the AFCFTA, visit GCCI at Kerjula Bijilo or www.gcci.gm. More Gambians have died as the second wave of COVID-19 bites harder. In the latest bulletin issued by the Epidemiology and Disease Control Unit, another four people have died of COVID-19-related illness, bringing the total since March to 143 deaths. 33 new cases were registered, bringing the total number of recorded infections to 4,543. President Barrow has issued his televised address as the Gambia celebrated 56 years of independence on Thursday to advise the country's youths to take advantage of the many educational opportunities his government is making available. The future is for you to shape, and now is the time to think about how you want to live in it, the president counseled. My administration believes that we should have smart citizens who are soundly educated, Sufficiently enlightened, duly exposed, relevantly experienced, and adequately empowered with the necessary expertise and skills to constitute quality resource base for development. Education will continue, therefore, to be a national priority, and opportunities will remain endless for all children and youth to exploit. Our target is to maintain a robust education system that delivers resources based on the needs of the learners and stakeholders. I advise you boys and girls to be ambitious. Learn to search for knowledge and utilize it to the advantage of society as a whole. Reject drugs, crime, ethnic rivalry, and all vices that are harmful and obstacle to your well-being and those around you. Condemn violence and division. Embrace the nation and try to be useful and law-abiding patriots. The future is for you to save, and now is the time to think about how you want to live in it. Getting it right today means succeeding tomorrow. That was President Barrow addressing Gambians on the 56th anniversary of their country's attainment of statehood. Among his audience at the Makati Square was the leader of the United Democratic Party, Alhaji Usainu Dabo, as he left the squire at the end of the celebration, Al-Haji Kuli caught up with the lawyer and veteran opposition politician and asked what he made of President Barrow's call for all to unite and work for the advantage of every Gambian. But first, was Dabo obliged to attend an event presided over by his political nemesis? Well, as a citizen, you know, you should be great for anybody to be part of this independence. Yes. What do you make of the president's call for national unity and we come together as Gambian? Well, that is what is uh, embedded in our national anthem. So a call for that. 
is really repeating what is embedded in our national agenda, and that will be the aspiration for every Gambia. We are already in the election here, Mr. Dabo. What kind of you know election atmosphere would you want to see? A peaceful election atmosphere. That's what we want to see. And uh, the proper application of the laws. No discrimination. That is what we want to see. That was Alhaji Hussein Dabo, leader of the opposition UDP. In his Independence Day speech, President Barrow only mentioned the COVID pandemic in passing with his health minister looking on. As the Makati Squire ceremony came to an end and people started dispersing, Alhaji Koli caught up with Dr. Amadou Lamin Samate to talk in greater detail about coronavirus and Ebola, which has resurfaced in Guinea. What did he make of the number of people wearing face masks at the National Day Parade he had just attended? Yes, I'm very impressed. I mean, uh, this is a national day, and uh, as we said, uh, ever since, uh, activities of life need to continue to some extent. You know, this is a national occasion, but you can realize, you've realized that it is low-key, and uh, all people are seen uh, wearing masks, uh, you know, those moving around. So I think that is very good because uh, that means the people understand the message and uh, we need to protect ourselves because COVID is still around. Mm-hmm. And how much do you think that will mean for in our fight against the COVID? I think it will be very helpful because we know that if we uh, put on the mask, uh, all of us, and we maintain social distancing and uh, practice hand hygiene and so on, uh, the risk of transmission is very, very low. So I think we, it is encouraging. Uh, it doesn't stop at this uh, point. We need to continue. And I think it's a very good example for people also to emulate so that we continue wearing the mask wherever, whenever we are in public. How serious is our health ministry in terms of fighting the COVID? Because there are super spreader programs going on in the country. Yes, uh, of course, uh, we are very serious in fighting the, the COVID pandemic. You've all known that. And uh, uh, to date, we have done very well, uh, alhamdulillah. Uh, but we should not be complacent. Now, the activities going on, as I said, governance is not just government alone. Governance is the people. Uh, you know, the people may have various wishes and aspirations. Government puts all on the table and balances it and comes to a middle ground uh, so that some activities of life are allowed to continue. I mean, the government is listening to the people. That is why uh, certain things are allowed. And, and I think that's a very responsive government. Uh, otherwise, uh, we would just sit up and uh, put on very stringent conditions. But we balance uh, the impact of those uh, on the people and their livelihoods as well. But are you concerned, as the Honorable Minister, that the COVID is in the rise in the country? I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned, and that is why I said uh, we should not be complacent. People should remember COVID is still around, and uh, it is not forgotten, it is not gone. So we need to continue to be vigilant and work hard towards, uh, you know, uh, uh, making sure that the disease is contained. Yeah. Finally, Honorable Minister, our neighbors, Ginevisa, of course, Ebola, I mean, is hitting them. And of course, Gine Conakry, sorry. And there is constant traffic between Gine Conakry and the Gambia. So what are plans and steps? put in place. We, we are equally concerned and we are monitoring the situation. Uh, we had a WHO meeting yesterday, a regional meeting of uh, health ministers, and that was mentioned and also the previous day we had a West African uh, uh, health organization uh, meeting that, uh, you know, where the ECOWAS health ministers participated and this was brought to the fore and we are concerned and we say that we should strengthen our surveillance system at the borders. Uh, the people need to be made aware that Ebola has come back, at least in Guinea, and also to help Guinea deal with the outbreak so that it doesn't spread outside Guinea. That was the Minister of Health, Dr. Amadou Lamin Samate. 
With the country in the throes of a second COVID wave believed to be more vicious than the first outbreak, the Ibarra government has been heavily criticized for not doing enough to protect citizens. By imposing a new lockdown and enforcing existing containment measures, in an Independence Day speech of his own, UDP leader Usainu Dabo said he saw no reason why the government needed to wait until March the 8th to impose new restrictions on movement and public gatherings. A UDP government would take a responsible decision to order an immediate lockdown, and I ask the government of the Gambia to do so now, Dabo declared. Well, Hamad Ba, responding to the UDP's attack, was quick to remind Dabo of his party's opposition to restrictions when the government tried to impose them at the start of the pandemic last year. The tourism and culture minister spoke to this program against a noisy Independence Day background in Banjo. When this COVID came up 2020, it was the UDP-led National Assembly rejected instead of emergency extension. So that is clear. Let's not look for a blame here. It was after that it became worse that everybody was clamoring for a total lockdown and we went in for lockdown. We cannot go in locking down people when some of them have to survive when they go out in the morning to go and look for what they eat in the evening or for the following morning. We cannot just rush and go and lock down without getting the scientific data that proves that, yes, there is a concern. In a, co- in a population of almost 3.3 million people, we are having 25 cases a day average. Should that lead to a locking down a whole country and deprive the poor from having food to eat? No. It's to encourage that population to respect the protocol of COVID and try to live with COVID. That's the position. So now, we believe people are saying lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. We will not lock down, but we'll scale down until we see what the numbers are going to be. The scientific data will dictate our policy on COVID. It's not hearsay or untested generalization of views of people that are not justified, that have no scientific basis. These are not the reason that we going to, that will not be, will be the reason for us to take action. We will take action based on scientific data, and that's what we are looking for. How serious is your government when it comes to I mean, COVID? Let me tell you that this government has been one of the most outstanding government commended in Africa for fighting COVID and taking prudent decisions to fight COVID. We, that we stand outstandingly in Africa as one of the best that has done the best job. People can criticize us. They can say what they want to say. They have a right to that. This is a democracy. But at the end of the day, what matters is facts. This government is extremely serious, well-commended nationally, internationally, in fighting COVID. We will not lock Gambians into prison because of COVID. When the scientific data warrant us to do that, then we'll do it. But not from clamoring for lockdown. When some of those clamoring for they have their daily bread, they have money to eat, when the majority, if they don't go out, they don't eat the next day. That's Samad Ba, the tourism and culture minister. The UDP says it has also been looking at the scientific data on the domestic COVID-19 situation and has therefore arrived at the conclusion that this is not the time to continue with fundraising efforts which would draw tens of thousands of people to one venue for hours and expose them to contagion. As a result, it was calling off its highly publicized fundraising concert until a later date in May. The party spokesman and Mami Fandingtal told us more. In light of the information uh, from the uh, scientific sources, 
Uh, there seems to be uh, another wave of uh, COVID infections and actual deaths uh, as a result of uh, new variants as well as uh, as a result of uh, some of the uh, major events that had happened in the past. So in light of that kind of information, it would be highly irresponsible to go ahead and, uh, and have a, a, a public event of that uh, nature. Uh, uh, because of that, the party leader yesterday in his uh, independence message uh, made it clear that um, uh, we are putting the Gambia first. We are uh, committed to making sure that the Gambia uh, stays safe and as uh, soon as possible uh, is COVID-free so that we can go back to life as, as normal. Uh, in our last interview, you told me that the UDP is not going ahead with the fundraising because you probably want to equivate uh, what happened at the Independence Stadium during the launching of the NPP. Is that the reason also why UDP don't want to be blamed as how the NPP was blamed? No, it's not about not wanting to be blamed. It's uh, basing your activities on the available scientific uh, evidence and data. Mm -hmm. I think any responsible organization must uh, follow the data, must listen to uh, what we are getting as uh, technical advice. So really, I mean, considering all these things, and I mean, we had that interview uh, a few days uh, before independence. So when it was uh, time to, to put the independence message together, we had another tete-a-tete, uh, -tete, an executive uh, uh, committee level and uh, evaluate the evidence. Uh, based on that, we decided that um, it's in the best interest of the country, it's in the best interest of the party not to go ahead at this time. And that was UDP spokesman and Gambian barrister Almami Fandingtal. Meanwhile, there is no word on the fate of the NPP's second inauguration party planned for Kantora in the president's native region two days before a nationwide lockdown is set to kick in. ECOWAS Brown Card Insurance Scheme allows motorists to travel across ECOWAS countries with the guarantee that third-party accident victims are compensated. Under the directive of the Central Bank of the Gambia, National Bureau has started implementation of the automatic issuance of ECOWAS Brown Card Certificate to all motorists taking the local third-party motor insurance policy at a cost of not more than $325. This is an ECOWAS agreement signed by the authorities of ECOWAS Heads of States. The rationale is that we are in an ECOWAS space where even if you don't travel outside your country, foreign motorists may enter your country and cause an accident which may affect you. For more info, contact Gambia National Bureau ECOWAS Brown Insurance Scheme at 10 C Nelson Mandela Street, Banjul or telephone 4201637-707104-3077781 or email info at ECOWASBrownCard.gm or samsehu at msn.com. As the voice of business in the Gambia for over 50 years, the Gambia Chamber of Commerce and Industry is always at the heart of trade facilitation for Gambian entrepreneurs in partnership with the Ministry of Trade and other agencies. On January 1, 2021, the Africa Continental Free Trade Area, also known as AFCFTA, entered into force, creating one of the largest free trade areas in the world with over 1.2 billion people and a combined GDP of $3.4 trillion. 
the Gambia can make the most out of the AFCFTA to unlock economic potential through the free movement of people, goods and services, the elimination of tariffs on 90% of African goods, and the creation of a single custom union to mainstream trade and deepen African economic integration. For more information and regular updates on the AFCFTA, visit GCCI at Kerjula Bijilo or www.gcci.gm. And live on West Coast Radio, I am Ajijogab Khan, and this is Coffee Time with Peter Gomez, brought to you in association with Banjul Cipiat Company Limited and OIC Gambia. If you need services of machine shop, worry no more. Banjul Shipyard Company Limited, a subsidiary of the Gambia Ports Authority, delivering excellent services to marine and industrial servicing. We have sofas grinding for top cylinder heads, threading of pipes, shafts and nuts, machining of axle for trucks, regrouping of pistons, pressing works, drilling works, wheel drum and dig scheming. Our electrical workshop does repair and servicing of electronic equipment, wiring of buildings, electrical installation works, and many more. Bangle Shipyard Company Limited, we are your solution to marine and industrial services. For more information, call 997-7271 or 790-6256. Building the largest international conference center in the region, a five-star hotel with state-of-the-art facilities, first-class mobility services, and improving the VVIP experience at the Banjul International Airport, OIC Gambia will position the Gambia as the leading conference destination in West Africa. With our partners in the tourism sector, we will reinforce the preeminent position of our nation, the Smiling Coast, as a go-to destination. The OIC Gambia will create strategic partnerships that calls for the involvement of local talent and businesses as a matter of requirement. In short, OIC Gambia projects will create jobs, boost commerce, accelerate growth, improve the urban outlook and lifestyles of many families across the Gambia. So let's support the OIC Gambia as it prepares us for one of the biggest global events. OIC Gambia, building today for a better tomorrow. If you want to advertise your business or service on the program, kindly get in touch on 787-0107 and speak to Mr. Jibril Jase or 9910-959 and talk to Mr. Peter Gomez. Brown continues to be the dominant color in the air as for the third day running. Parts of the country are covered in sand and dust brought by strong winds from the Sahara Desert. Meteorologists say the phenomenon occurs every year but that this time the Sahara winds are stronger than normal. Tijani Bojang is the chief forecaster at the Department of Water Resources. He explained the phenomenon to my colleague, Banna Sabali. This is uh, actually affecting both the Gambia and Senegal. And it's as a result of a very strong wind blowing over the Sahara Desert. These winds, they gain intensity during the night and in the day, they, 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 they lose the strength. But um, as, the, as the wind blow over the Sahara Desert, they, they cause this um, dust to be blowing in the atmosphere. And of course, we have this, uh, what they call the tropical uh, jet 
uh, yes, that is a stream of air in thousands of kilometers in in west, and then they are the ones that help to transport this dust from the Sahara Desert into the into into our region. So this has been in the past two days, and it's something that occurred, but uh, the in the occurrence is not quite frequent, but it do occur, and then it's going to persist. For the next two days, it normally takes about three to five days before it finally settles down. And as I could see the the weather models, the we will still continue to experience the, the dust in the next 24 hours. Okay. So, so um, when when such um, weather condition um, come into being, what what are the precautionary measures that people should be taking? Right. You, uh, apparently, we have those uh, suspension in the atmosphere, and then it's going to uh, persist for like three to five days. And then, from the uh, layman point of view, we all know that uh, the best uh, option is to remain indoor and then to cover our our noses and our mouth, so not to allow the inhaling too much of uh, those things here, which may be detrimental to our health. So that's the that's the best option. That was Tijani Bojang, Chief Forecaster at Central Forecasting Office, Department of Water Resources. President Barrow may have celebrated Independence Day with a speech on the very day, but activities marking the country's 56th anniversary continue for him tomorrow with the inauguration of a new 20-megawatt power station in Brekama. Speaking ahead of the event, Nawek's Public Relations Officer, Pierre Silva, harped on the significance of the new power station to the utilities drive to have every Gambian home on the grid by 2025. Yeah, knowing that we have been uh, facing some challenges regarding the amount of electricity that we require to get to get everybody on board the grid, having an additional 20 megawatts has really helped in stabilize the electricity situation, especially in the greater Angel area. We can... Uh, say that now um, we do have something of 90, 91 megawatts when the requirement is only 75. So at some point we do have uh, excess electricity and we have to knock out some of our engines to rest them until when we have some eventualities. This is a, a very good uh, move and I think uh, the Adama-led government have done a good job to make sure that we secure this one from the Islamic Development Bank to uh, build, build up a new, a brand new power station with uh, ad- with, with very good and modern uh, modern equipment. So as we speak, um, we can also attest to the fact that uh, in the greater Banjulera, we don't have much about uh, the power requirement uh, to get everybody on board the grid. Maybe the problem that we would have is maybe the transmission and distribution that is giving us some problems. But um, we are working really very hard to make sure that we get away from that problem. But with uh, generation, the capacity that we require, we have more than excess. Looking at the roadmap and the NDP, I think uh, we are on course to make sure that uh, we meet the standard that has set by the United Nations, which is uh, universal electricity by 2025. We have a lot of projects that are being EMR to make sure that we we also bridge the gap. That is, uh, the areas that are not without electricity or that are not with electricity, we make sure that by 2025, I think, uh, if not 100%, but 90% of this country will be electrified. That was Per Silva, Nawek PRO. And now to international news developments. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson will host a virtual meeting of the G7 later today 
where he'll appeal to leaders of the world's richest nations to unite to get COVID-19 vaccines to every country. The meeting will be the first with U.S. President Joe Biden and comes amid warnings by the United Nations that 130 countries have still not received a single dose of vaccine. Annelies Wilder-Smith is a professor of emerging infectious diseases at London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. She's also a consultant to the Initiative of Vaccine Research at the World Health Organization. I'm confident that a commitment will be made, but the implementation of the commitment is a problem. It's not only about commitment. I mean, we're talking about a multi-layered problem. It's production, it's affordability, it's allocation and deployment. Um, And so it's a race. And indeed, as you said, we cannot, we cannot beat this pandemic until there's a global rollout and there's an equitable distribution. Okay, so before we get to that rollout and whether the commitment is followed up on, let's talk about the commitment and what kind of commitment you would like to see. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a financial commitment, it is, but it's also um, it's, it's a political will to collaborate, to share data, uh, to share expertise, but also to do what we call tech transfer. So as we know, most of the manufacturing capabilities are in developed countries, and we need to do tech transfer to other countries to ensure that, uh, that, that, that low- and middle-income countries can also produce it to the amount and to the scale that we need to roll out this vaccine. So that means a lot of cooperation from between countries that don't necessarily have that much to do deal with each other uh, quite often. How's that going to work? Well, you know, we, we've known about this problem for, for months. So, so uh, already as early as in April, uh, you know, COVAX was launched. COVAX is a facility that with the intention to deliver 2 billion doses of vaccines to the world's population equitably by the end of, of this year. And, and so COVAX is bringing together a global donors, politicians, um, and scientists, vaccine developers, epidemiologists, etc., cetera, uh, to, to really to achieve this goal. Um, now, obviously, um, you know, you have to start with one country. We cannot start with all countries at the same time. There will be a first country and there will be a last country to receive the vaccine. Uh, and, and, and so COVAX has called to all countries also for, to ensure that there's readiness. You know, there's one, you can't just send out vaccines. A country has to be ready to receive the vaccines but also to roll out the vaccine. So you have to have country readiness in place as well. That, that is critical, isn't it? Because a lot of the poorer countries don't have uh, a standard health infrastructure that in Western nations you may have to, that would help facilitate that kind of rollout. Oh, you're totally right. And the challenge here is that we're going the other way. Normally, you know, vaccinations are meant for children, and now we're going to the other extreme of age. And, and this, the infrastructure to vaccinate older populations just does not exist. It's even a challenge in high-income countries. Now, high-income countries usually, or they can use the influenza program. You know, we have a lot of experience with rolling out influenza vaccination to older people. We can benefit from those infrastructures, but low to middle-income countries do not have those mechanisms. So they need to set up a whole new system how to 
actually deploy the vaccine. You know, which population to prioritize, identify the population that needs to be prioritized. So, so there's a lot of groundwork that needs to be done before a country receives a vaccine. That's Anne-Lise Wilder-Smith, Professor of Emerging Infectious Diseases, London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, speaking on the ABC. Facebook's blocking of Australian news content has been met with astonishment and condemnation overseas. Major news organizations in London, including The Guardian and Mail Online, have expressed concern, while senior members of the British government have expressed what they say is schoolyard bullying by Facebook. The ABC's Linton Besser reports from London. I think it's crass and it's bullying, and I think Facebook should be ashamed of their behaviour. Julian Knight is chairman of the top media and culture committee in Britain's House of Commons. A former BBC journalist, he is outraged at the developments down under. Facebook for a very long time has been uh, uh, showing a, a distinct unwillingness to engage with authorities in order to ensure that misinformation and disinformation is not shared. And the idea of cutting off Australia's newsfeed during a pandemic, when there is disinformation and misinformation about the vaccine out there, it's, it's, it's staggeringly irresponsible. The concern was shared by chairman of the UK's News Media Association. Its chairman said Facebook's decision was a classic example of the abuse of monopoly power. And the Guardian Media Group, which publishes the British newspaper with an Australian online division, issued a statement to say that Facebook had cleared the way for the spread of misinformation. So I think what this shows is that Facebook only really care about money. They care about the money they make from their advertising and they don't want to give that away to other people. That's Damien Collins, the Tory MP who took an active role during parliamentary investigations into Britain's phone hacking affair. Around the Western world, governments are recognising we've got to start to do something about regulating harmful content, you know, making sure there's fair competition and not abusive market power. So I think we're all, in some ways, in this fight with the Australians and we've got, we need to be on their side. We need to make sure that they prevail. Facebook has launched a Facebook news tab in Britain after negotiating commercial deals with several news providers. And while there's plenty of moral support from Britain's political class, there's no sign of concrete action in sympathy with Australia. I asked Julian Knight whether his government would consider a similar piece of legislation. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that the policy that as designed by the Australian government is something that I would want to see. I'm not, as such, in absolute accord with everything the Australian government is doing. However, Australia is very much like the, the canary in the coal mine right now. The power and influence of Facebook and Google is clearly not confined to Australia and the world is watching closely. That report was by Linton Besser in London. ECOWAS Brown Card Insurance Scheme allows motorists to travel across ECOWAS countries with the guarantee that third-party accident victims are compensated. Under the directive of the Central Bank of the Gambia, National Bureau has started implementation of the automatic issuance of ECOWAS Brown Card Certificate to all motorists taking the local third-party motor insurance policy at a cost of not more than $325. This is an ECOWAS agreement signed by the authorities of ECOWAS Heads of States. 
The rationale is that we are in an ECOWAS space where even if you don't travel outside your country, foreign motorists may enter your country and cause an accident which may affect you. For more info, contact Gambia National Bureau ECOWAS Brown Insurance Scheme at 10 C Nelson Mandela Street, Banjo, or telephone 4201637 707781 For over 50 years, the Gambia Chamber of Commerce and Industry has been the voice of business in the Gambia. Always happy to be at the heart of trade facilitation for Gambian entrepreneurs. On January 1st, 2021, trading under the Africa Continental Free Trade Area formally began. The AFCFTA lowers trade barriers and promotes regional economic integration. The GCCI is pleased to inform local businesses, entrepreneurs and our 2.2 million population that they can all benefit from the AFCFTA's trade facilitation. As the approved national competent authority for the issuance and management of the AFCFTA rules of origin certificate, the GCCI will give free guidance to every Gambian business, entrepreneur and individual who needs it. For more information and regular updates on the AFCFTA, visit GCCI at Kerjula Bijilo or www.gcci.gm. And finally, it's being described as one of the greatest ever achievements in space exploration. NASA's Perseverance rover has landed successfully on Mars after a seven-month journey over nearly half a billion kilometers. The rover will now take samples from the planet to try and establish if there has been life on Mars. The ABC's Samantha Donovan reports. For me, I guess I think it's another human place on the surface of Mars. So, you know, I'm a space archaeologist, so I'm kind of always thinking about what is the record that we are leaving on this planet that people in the future might look at. And here we have a mission that is very much built on the legacy and the technology of previous missions, particularly the Curiosity rover. So I, I look at this and, and think, wow, well, first of all, it was successful. And as everyone says, getting to Mars is really hard. There's so much that can go wrong. So now we're really starting to demonstrate uh, a whole suite of highly successful technologies. But it's also adding to this record built up over the years that shows how humans engage with this planet that so many find fascinating. Would you put your hand up to go if it were possible? I've got to be honest and say, even though I'm dreaming about this, I probably would not because I think the first generations of humans to go to Mars are probably going to die in ways that aren't very pleasant. To have a self-sustaining population on Mars requires something that we haven't even done on Earth yet, and this is maintain a completely enclosed biosphere, self-sustaining biosphere. And I'd be very reluctant to entrust my life to something like that on another planet so far away where there's no hope of rescue. Dr Gorman, how likely do you think it is that they will find signs of previous inhabitants? There's so much evidence to show that Mars once had liquid water on the surface and, and the crater where Perseverance has landed has a lot of geological evidence that this was the case there. 
So it's it's a prime candidate for finding evidence that there was once something alive, even if it's just microbial. So I'm very hopeful that we're going to find it this time. So they're going to be collecting samples. Which samples are you particularly interested to hear more about? They're going to get some subsurface samples and a bit deeper than any previous Mars mission has managed. Of course, the trick here is There'll be a lot of data that is gathered and analysed and sent back to Earth, but the samples themselves are going to remain on the surface until a future mission can come back and collect them. So nobody's going to be able to put that Martian soil under a microscope to see little fossilised microbes for quite some time yet, sadly. But I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what is the chemical composition of this old dried up lake? How much water actually is there that we can tell from these soil samples? We should get a lot of data about that. And of course, we have the two other spacecraft at the moment. We have the UAE HOPE orbiter, which is gathering climatic data. And the Chinese Tianwen-1 is now in orbit. It's going to be deploying a lander as well. So we're going to be getting a lot of concurrent data about what's going on on Mars. And and maybe when you put all of that data together, we're going to get a bit closer to the moment of saying, well, okay, something once lived on Mars. That wraps up this week's editions of Coffee Time with Peter Gomez, courtesy of Banjul Cipiad Company Limited and OIC Gambia. On behalf of Alhaji Kweli, Banna Sabali and the entire production team, I have been Ajijogob Khan. Join us next week for all new editions at 8 a.m. on West Coast Radio 92.1. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful weekend.